Good morning to, to you all. Um, as you heard, my name is Cephas. I'm married to Michelle. Um, I'm one of the team of uh, leaders who lead One Tribe Church. And uh, if you're joining us for the very first time or just recently joined us, uh, we're really glad you could be with us today. And we really hope that you'll be able to join us for lunch. Uh, somebody once said there's no such thing as a free lunch. Well, there is, and you can get it today at Newcomers Luncheon. And if you missed uh, or you've been with us or missed the last couple of weeks, uh, I'd say that the past two weeks have been some of the most uh, momentous and uh, life-giving weeks in our church. And I'd just love to invite Ben, who's going to share with us uh, what we shared two Sundays ago as the big overarching vision of what we want to achieve as a church. So Ben will share in sign language and someone will Good interpret. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to show you our vision. So, what playing? Let's do it together. Let's do it together. Okay. Let's, sorry for that. Okay, let's do this. One, two, three, let's go. Mod playing. Gospel. Centered. Spirit. Empowered. Missional. Churches in Nairobi and beyond. Thank you. All right, let's give Ben a hand. And to, today before Chai and Mandazi, Ben will be standing in front of the queue and you have to do that for him before getting your cup of chai. So I hope you're paying attention. So that's, that's the overarching vision. We want to multiply gospel-centered, spirit-empowered, missional churches in Nairobi and beyond. And if that sounds uh, like a bit of a mouthful, uh, please do go back um, uh, from two Sundays ago. It's available on our website and you, you can watch that sermon. We've also got uh, roll-up banners just around and you can see that expressed again and again. And then last week, we were celebrating our fifth birthday as a church. And we got to cut a cake and sing the song. But we also had four of the leaders of the church come up and share how we see that vision being lived out over the next two years. And we said how we want to live out that, that big overarching vision in 2022 and 2023 is to invest and invite into the neighborhoods and nations. Now, of course, you and I know we are in election season in Kenya. Uh, politicians are coming up with all sorts of catchy slogans and phrases. And sometimes I, I just ask the ordinary Mwananchi, uh, what does this slogan mean? And guys have no idea. Oh, they, they struggle to explain what that big slogan is all about. And as a church, we, 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 we don't want to be uh, leaders who share these phrases that look good on the sign language, look nice on, on roll-up banners, roll off the tongues. But at the end of the day, we, we don't know what it exactly means for every one tribe. So over the next three weeks, we want to just dive deep and talk about what does it look like for us to invest and invite in the next two years. And this is well, what I'm kicking us off this morning. And I want to be crystal clear on what the point of my message is. If you're asking, okay, what can I do? What does it look like for me to invest and invite? I just want to encourage you to start with the one. 
Invest in the one. And you're like, okay, invest in the one. Which one? The one right in front of you. And so we're going to read a story from Luke chapter 19. If you have your Bible, you can follow on the overhead. And the whole point is that the church is not some amorphous organization. We're not looking to the team of elders to say, okay, you guys show us how are we going to do this? Or you guys be responsible for this. We're not looking to the staff team. The church is you and I, the people who have come to Christ and said, come into my life. And so if we are to achieve the vision of investing and inviting into the neighborhood and nations, it's going to be every single one triber being part of that. I'm going to read just verse by verse and, and give a bit of explanation on the context. And then after that, I'm just going to show us what it looks like for you to start with the one, to invest in the one right in front of you. Let's read together. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. The story starts and says, He entered Jericho and was passing through. Now he here refers to Jesus. And if you've been tracking with Jesus' story, and you go a little bit beyond, you know that Jesus has set his face, he has set himself to get to Jerusalem in time for the feast of the Passover. At this point, Jesus' popularity is at its apex, its zenith. Crowds are following him. Soon he'll be celebrated as he enters into Jerusalem. And so the townsfolk of Jericho were really looking forward to Jesus coming to their town. But they get disappointed because Jesus is so set on his mission of getting to Jerusalem. He says, guys, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to enjoy the hospitality that you probably were so willing to share with me. I have to get to Jerusalem pretty quickly. And then Luke tells us that there was a, a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. The, the next verses are loaded with lots of context and things in the background. Of course, for us Kenyans, if, if you heard there was, there was a man who was a KRA boss and was very rich, kind of almost implicitly implying that he's richer than his salary suggests, you begin to understand the negative feeling around this man, Zacchaeus. You see, it wasn't just economics at play that this guy has enriched himself through corruption. There was also politics and religion at play because Zacchaeus was a tax collector uh, collecting funds on behalf of the Romans who were oppressing the Jewish people. Not only was he collecting funds, what happened in those days is that your taxes were not really set in stone. So it's not like 30% and you just know. Rome kind of told the tax collectors what they needed to collect. And the tax collectors came to the people and collected whatever they wanted to collect. And sometimes, most times, they would have Rome's share, and then they would have their own share. And Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, which means that he would have lots of other tax collectors working under him. And you begin to understand the system. 
Tax collectors were also considered the worst sinners, which meant that they were not following the Jewish law. And so they were, you wouldn't ordinarily find the tax collector in the temple where the, peop, the Jewish people uh, would worship or in the synagogue. He was someone who was ostracized. And actually, this was not just uh, uh, people having a negative view of him. The belief was that if Israel, if the Jews could behave as well as possible and fulfill the law as well as possible, then God was going to fulfill his promises to send them a deliverer. And so the Jews felt that they were undergoing some sort of collective uh, punishment, as it were, because of people like this tax collector. And so you see that the stakes are raised. It's not merely about economics or, or politics. This is right to the very bottom of life. And I should just say, if you were in Jericho, if you were just a, a Jew living in Jericho, you probably wouldn't have liked Zacchaeus. And with good reason. He wouldn't have been a nice guy. But now we hear that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus and he was a short man. Normally being rich would have accorded him some status and honor within his community. And so you'd have expected people to open the way for him. But Zacchaeus knew that being in a crowd in Jericho could have been a life-threatening experience for him. So he didn't want to get into that crowd. And so what he does is that probably secretly, when he knows that Jesus is passing through, he runs on ahead uh, a little bit out of town. He gets into this uh, sycamore tree, which would have had big leaves and uh, able him to conceal himself. And so he waits for Jesus in that place of concealment. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. But we see Zacchaeus, probably much to his embarrassment, is discovered as Jesus looks up and sees him, and probably the crowds as well who are following him. And what would have likely ensued at that time is that the people think, yes, now Zacchaeus is getting what he deserves. This is an opportunity to jeer at Zacchaeus, to, to make fun of him, to insult him. It could even get worse. The, the people could start throwing stones at him because Zacchaeus can't prosecute you. He doesn't know who it was. And so it's in this volatile situation that Jesus steps in. Jesus is seeing the hostility of the crowd. He's seeing uh, this man who is uh, being shamed. And he steps in and, and calls him by name and says, Zacchaeus, come down today. I must stay at your house. Now, this is completely unheard of. Visitors wouldn't just invite themselves into people's homes, no less respected teachers. It would have been the town that would have said, this is the way we want to offer Jesus hospitality. And by so doing, we see Jesus deflecting the hostility from Zacchaeus and taking him upon himself. So we see Zacchaeus hurrying, coming down and receiving Jesus joyfully. Probably Zacchaeus doesn't have any friends in that town. He's, he's, he's overjoyed. It was something that he wasn't expecting. It's something that he's never experienced. It's, this is what we call grace. I didn't do anything to deserve it. And we see the crowd. When they saw it, they grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. 
They were hoping that Jesus, this, this great teacher, would tell Zacchaeus exactly where he was wrong. That Jesus would say to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, you have been corrupt. You have been benefiting from your very own people, your very own kiss and kill, your very own blood. Not only that, you have been a collaborator for the godless Gentiles. Zacchaeus, it is time for you to repent. Do everything that the law requires of you. Give all the necessary sacrifices and maybe next time when I come through Jericho, I might visit your home. This is what the crowd expected. And so Jesus takes on the hostility that was on Zacchaeus onto his own person, pointing forward to what he would ultimately do in Jerusalem, what he was on mission, what he was going forward with such unflinching resolve to do. We know the story. He went on to be betrayed by one of his close friends. And then he was given to the authorities who falsely accused him. And he was brutally tortured and, and died the excruciating, that is excrucicals, the, the, the death of the cross. And in this story, we see Jesus already pointing forward, taking the hostility that belongs to another into himself. And then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, this is probably at his house after they've had a meal. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And we see that this radical investment that Jesus makes into Zacchaeus' life is not without effect. Zacchaeus is a transformed man. He goes even beyond what the law would have required. The law would have required for him maybe to, to give back plus a fifth, 20%. But Zacchaeus says, no, I'm going to give radically. I'm going to share my possessions. I'm going to bring restitution. I'm going to restore because of what Jesus has done for him. So how can this story help us as a church to invest and invite in our neighborhoods? How can this story help everyone who's hearing my voice today? Every boy, every girl, every man, every woman, student, worker, employer, employee. How can it help us to invest and invite? I just want to draw two T's, which I believe have immense practical implications. The first is trust. Please, I know it's a bit corny, but let's say it together, trust. Yes. And the second is time. Friends, I believe for us to invest, we're going to need to invest and trust. And the most important investment of trust you need to make is to trust that Jesus can save, Jesus can change anyone. You see, Jesus 
people around him, they, they didn't understand him. They didn't get him. So Jesus used to give these statements, which sound like somebody giving a mission statement, as we heard when he says, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Another time, he likened himself to a doctor. And he, had, he, he was explaining to people why he was hanging out with the wrong kind of crowd, the, the, the wrong kind of people that people would have expected. And he says, look, it's not the sick. It's, it's not those who are healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. It's not those who think they've got right standing, they've got, they've got it all together, who needs Jesus. But it's, it's, it's those who are broken, it's those who are considered the sinners. And Luke as well then told a series of stories in Luke chapter 15. We know them as, as the stories of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And again, Jesus was telling these stories to explain why you would find him talking, eating, being with certain people. And the irony that we have today is that you'll hear people say things like, yeah, when, when I've done ABC, that's when I'll, I'll be ready to come to church. When, when, I'm, when I'm done with, with this habit, when I'm sober, when I've stopped watching porn, when I've handled my life, I've stopped sleeping around, when I've handled my finances, then I'll come to Jesus. That's the equivalent of, of, of asking a dead man to, to rise up and, and go to work. You see, the story of God as presented in Scripture has always been about God coming into the brokenness, into the impossibilities of our situations. From God coming to a man called Abraham, who they felt they were too old, they, they had no children, and him coming and calling him the father of many nations. And it says that Abraham, he looked at himself, and he knew he was as good as dead. He saw that the situation couldn't be helped, but he believed in the one who calls things that are not as though they were and brings life out of death. For some of us who've been tracking with the book of Acts, we see God taking a man who's bent on persecuting, snuffing out the life of the church and the message about Jesus, meeting him on the road and turning him into one of the most effective preachers of the message of Christ. And when Paul, this man, thinks about that, this is what he says in 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a trustworthy saying. What Paul is saying, bank it. If you like tattoos, tattoo it on your body. And everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. And what Paul is saying is that Jesus can save anyone. In fact, Jesus delights in taking those whom we think 
These guys are, man, there's, there's, no, there's no hope for this guy. There's, there's no hope for that lady. That's the one that, that God is saying, I'm going to put my, my hand on. I'm going to turn your life around. And each one of us, we can, we can think of that one family member. On one of our family groups, one of our cousins, his, he said, hey guys, I, I just want to come clean. So every now and again, he just posts, I've got a baby here with this girl. I've got a baby here with, with this girl. And it's just like it's an endless stream of girls. And we're like, oh man, what is this guy doing? He's hopeless. You can think of that one work colleague. You can think of that neighbor, that person in your, in your neighborhood, or that school friend. And you think, man, no. It will never happen with Jesus. But friends, if we are to invest and invite, if we are to invest in the one, if you're going to invest in the one in front of you, then you need to believe, you need to trust that Jesus can save anyone. I just want to read from one of the commentators. His name is J.C. Ryle. On this verse, he says, Let it be noted, this is when Jesus has invited himself to Zacchaeus' house, that this is the only case in the Gospels in which we find our Lord offering himself uninvited to be a man's guest. In this point of view, the expression is a very precious one. Christ sometimes comes to those who seek him not. Jesus can save and change anyone, even those who think they've got locked doors. So practically speaking, what does it look like for you and I to, to invest in the one? Well, the first is we need to pray for them because I'm not saying you and I can save anyone. It's Jesus who can save and change anyone. So it's Jesus we must go to first. One guy called Nabil Qureshi who, read, who wrote a book called uh, Seeking Allah, uh, Finding Jesus. He said, before talking to anyone about Jesus, talk to Jesus about them. And friends, this is the first step. Pray for that cousin. Pray for that neighbor. Pray for that schoolmate. Pray for that work colleague. Because Jesus can save anyone. And maybe you might say, well, Cephas, I'm not good at this praying thing. I get it. I would be the first as well to admit I'm not. But you can just pray some of the verses I've shared today. You, you can take it back to Jesus to say, Jesus, you said you came for the sick. Also, would you come for so-and-so? Jesus, you, you, you said you came for those who are far from you. Lord, would you come for so-and-so? You said you came for the lost. Would you come for so-and-so? Would you find them where they are? Because Jesus, you can save anyone. Secondly, the second thing that we need to do as we invest in trust is don't write anyone off. You see, we, we kind of grade people in our minds. 
And Luke, if you go back to Luke chapter 18, he tells the story of another rich man who came to Jesus and said, good teacher, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And this guy is, is, is looking for God. And Jesus says, follow the commandments, da, 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 da. He says, I've been doing this. And then he said, this one thing you're lacking, go and sell all that you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. And it says that that rich man went away sad. That he's the kind of guy that the Jewish community would have been celebrating in the synagogue. This guy was the model citizen in the community. This guy was the guy you wanted to marry your daughter. And then we, we find Zacchaeus, completely corrupt. Zacchaeus, how many commandments have you been keeping? Uh, cross that one out, uh, cross that one out. And yet, it is Zacchaeus who comes to Jesus, gives away to the poor. Because Jesus can save anyone. Don't write anyone off. And friends, I think it's also because we've got a bit of a small view of what Jesus came to do. Some of us, I think we, we can present the message of Jesus as though he came so that uh, when we die, we, we don't go to this really bad and painful place. And so what we need to do is to say this prayer and then after that, attend these meetings and try the best that we can. And we think that is the message of what it means for Jesus to save you. But friends, coming to Jesus is a miracle. It is God making something out of nothing. It is God taking an old heart out of you and giving you a new heart. It is God transferring you from one kingdom, a kingdom of darkness, where you were chained, where you were bound by sin, death, and the devil setting you free and bringing you into a kingdom where you are free and in light and you have the joy of God, where you truly live. It is God completely turning your life around and giving you a new perspective where you see Christ's life coming in. The, the old world that you were once in has been uh, broken into by the new world of Jesus' resurrection and we're now living in this newness of life even though we're still in this old world. This is what it means, looking forward to this new creation where everything will be transformed. And if it is a miracle, then it is a miracle that can happen to anyone. Don't write anyone off. Another reason why we shouldn't write people off is that we are not aware of what God is doing in a person's life. The story doesn't tell us why Zacchaeus, this, this corrupt tax collector, wants to see Jesus. But he is willing enough to be ashamed, to be embarrassed, to run, to climb a tree, to see Jesus. And this is because God is already working in Zacchaeus' life behind the scenes. And you don't know what God is already doing in your neighbor. You don't know what God is already doing in your cousin. You don't know what God is already doing in your work colleague. You don't know what God is already doing even in your spouse. So don't write anyone off because Jesus can save anyone. Now you might be here and it sounds like I'm, I'm talking about us going in to invest and invite in our communities. 
And maybe you're the one who's written yourself off. Maybe you're like Zacchaeus. You're here today. You are not even looking for Jesus. I can relate. When, when God saved me and rescued me, I wasn't looking for Jesus. I was addicted to porn and masturbation. The only reason I'd been in church that day was because there was a girl who had invited me and I just wanted to, to meet her. I knew instinctively, in and of myself, that I couldn't live the Christian life. I wasn't even like Zacchaeus, trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. I had written myself off, but God hadn't. And I want you to know that whatever is holding you back, whether it's, it's your lifestyle, it doesn't matter. Whether you, you're in a same-sex relationship, it doesn't matter what addiction you might have. It doesn't matter what, what level of corruption you've engaged in. It doesn't matter what, what belief system you are coming from, what you've been raised in. God hasn't written you off because Jesus can save anyone. And friends, we see Jesus inviting himself into Zacchaeus' life. Zacchaeus had the option. Do I welcome Jesus or do I turn him away? And even as I'm saying this morning that don't write yourself off because God hasn't written you off, you need to respond to the invitation from Jesus. Just as he said to Zacchaeus, Jesus is speaking to you this morning and saying, will you allow me to come and have a personal and intimate relationship with you? What is pictured by this Middle Eastern feast of hospitality? Will you respond? This is completely undeserved. It is grace. But because Jesus can save anyone, friend, believe that Jesus can save you from wherever you are. Now, it's all good to trust that Jesus can save anyone, but we also need to trust that Jesus can use you in the process. It's good for us to, to pray for people. It's good for us to believe that uh, we're we not writing people off, but there comes a moment when you and I need to be engaged in the game. I won't spend too much time on this point because of our time. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you need to know that Jesus has a very high view of what you can accomplish in this world. In fact, speaking to Galilean peasants, Jesus said to them, you are the salt of the earth. Can you imagine coming to, to a group of, 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 of villagers? I, I asked somebody permission and said, yeah, I can name the area. So imagine you come into a village in Kakamega and it's like, We've never heard of that place. And you say, you are the salt of the earth. You are the, are the salt of, of Iran. You are the salt of, of the US. You are the salt of Europe. This is mind-blowing stuff. And we're familiar, many of us, with the closing verses of Matthew, where Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. But the prior verses, they say that when the disciples 
were gathered to Jesus. These were the 11 disciples. Some doubted. And I don't believe that they were doubting that Jesus was alive because he had spent 40 days with them giving convincing proofs. I don't think that they doubted the kingdom. What they doubted were the things that Jesus said. When he said, you guys, you 11 guys from Galilee, go into all the world and make disciples. And they're like, dude, we can trust in you. Well, definitely we can't trust in ourselves. But friends, if we are to invest in the one, you need to trust that Jesus can use you in the process. Not only can he use you, but you are the God-shaped tool for this job. Jesus can save anyone and Jesus can use you in the process. So we need to invest in trust. The second thing is we need to invest in time. This is my last point. We see how Jesus, although he was so set, he wasn't going to stop in Jericho, but when he got into this volatile situation, he made a decision to put a pause on his journey. Some commentators actually think that he might have spent even two days or three days with Zacchaeus, although this is unlikely. But he put his agenda on pause. We are living in times where our lives are ruled by our Google calendar. And it's like, I, I, if you're not on my calendar, I, I just don't have time for you. If you're not on my agenda, if you're not on my to-do list, I've got goals, you see? I've got resolutions for this year. I've got targets. I've got bonuses that I need to earn. I've got profit margins. I've got grades in school. You don't mess with my time. But friends, if we're going to invest in the one, then we need to invest our time. Not only does Jesus give an incredible investment of time, we see Jesus making the first step. Because I know some of us will be like, okay, God, give me a sign. Give me a sign that this person is open. Let them send me a message on WhatsApp today, even just a greeting. No, you send a greeting to them. God, if, if my neighbors are open, let them invite me to their house, even just for a cup of tea. No, you invite them for a cup of tea. If, if my boss is really open, if, if this colleague, if that, no, you take the first step. Invest your time and invest your courage even as you do that. I just want to end by telling you about a young man. I hope his picture is going to go up. This is a young man. His name is Nkazimulo, which is a Ndebele name, meaning glory. And I met him where we used to live and work before we moved to Kenya. It was in a rural setting in Zimbabwe. And what we used to do is that uh, we worked on a farm whose goal was to invest in young people. So we'd have people between the ages of 18 and 23 come and spend two years learning farming and many other life skills. And part of that process 
was that every year would decide on who can make it into the second year and would discuss each of the students. And so one of the years, what I decided was that I wanted to invest in some of the problem young men. And so these guys' names would come up in the meeting and were like, uh, should he make it into the next year? And I'll be like, okay, no, okay, I'll meet with him. And so I end up having a group of four guys and he was one of them. And on our first meeting, so what I'll do is that I would make breakfast for them and would sit down and would discuss the Bible. Our first meeting when Kazi came, this guy had a look on his face that said, man, don't mess with me. And he asked me, what am I doing here? And inside I was intimidated, but I was like, oh, no, we're going to be having this thing. You know, we'll eat breakfast together. We'll have a Bible study. And so he continued to come. And one of the things that we decided we'll do is that we'd visit each one at their home and their family together as a group. And so he was the first one to come up. And if you know anything about rural areas, guys will say, you know, our home is just over here. We drove. It felt like we went through changing terrain, flat, through hills, dry riverbeds, gravel. Uh, it, it was a, a long journey. But finally, we got to his home, got to meet his grandma. Uh, I discovered that Nkazi had never met his dad. He was raised by his mom. She had never told him even a single thing about his dad, and he lived in his maternal home. He had such a deep relationship with his mom. And that really broke the ice in our relationship. Then after that, Nkazi had some dreams that troubled him. They were very vivid, and I won't go into the details, but he, he really felt like God was speaking to him. And what it was was that there was going to be some event that was going to happen which he would have to face alone, but God would help him through that. And then shortly after that, his mom died suddenly while on a bus. She was asthmatic, and the message just came that she had passed on. And it was as though Nkazi had a nervous breakdown. He was in so much shock at that time, he almost got expelled. But because of the relationship we'd built up, we were able to walk with him and even go with him to the funeral and that kind of thing. And then a few weeks or months later, out of the blue, Nkazi came and said to me, I would like to be baptized. I was shocked. I wasn't expecting that. I hadn't put out a call for people who wanted to be baptized. And so I tried to just interrogate him. Kazi, why do you want to be baptized? Tried to convince him not to be baptized. But he was adamant. And he then got baptized and he joined this little fellowship that was started. Eventually, he graduated. He got a job. He's working in another rural community, helping farmers with, with chicken farming and, and other projects. And he's also sharing the message about Jesus. Why am I telling the story? Because Jesus can save anyone. No one should ever be written off. But it will take an investment of time and courage. And I just want to end there and invite the band back up. I'd like us to respond during the course of the week as we pray. We're going to ask you to put a list of just five people 
starting with the one. Who can you invest in? And as we pray this week, I'd like us just to get into the culture of praying as we invest in those around us. But friends, at the end of the day, we're going to need to engage and act. Will you trust that Jesus can use you in the process? Amen. Amen.